0: Our gospel lesson for today comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. I invite you to stand with me, either in body or spirit, for the reading of the gospel. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven You are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and most merciful God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here and online be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock. You are our strength. You are our redeemer. Amen. Well, so you also can't see with the mask, but I am smiling a big smile at you all today. It is good to have you here uh, with us in person, both in person and online. Uh, Today is the first Sunday of Lent. And so although we didn't get to participate in Ash Wednesday this week, we'll get to do it next week. And yet today is the first Sunday of Lent. It's the first Sunday of the Wilderness journey where we are invited to follow Christ into the wilderness for a season of 40 days of fasting, uh, inward reflection, a season of repentance. And our Lenten sermon series uh, for these next 40 days is going to be diving into the baptismal covenant. And we'll explore how our Uh, baptismal covenant relates to the covenant journey of Lent, uh, particularly that wilderness journey, that season of repentance and fasting. So over these next few weeks, we'll explore multiple facets of the baptismal covenant, including what it means to profess Christ, uh, what it means to join alongside one another in that covenant journey, and what it means to balance the tension of an ancient faith That also continually calls us forward into ever new places. We'll explore all these themes and more, but today on this first Sunday of the journey, we'll begin with a theme that I think is quite appropriate for the first Sunday of Lent, and that is what happens when our covenant is tested. What happens when we are invited out into the wilderness and we experience temptation? Now, the idea of a covenant is not one that we use very often. It's not part of our uh, daily vocabulary. At least it's not a part of mine. Uh, We do not speak of signing business covenants or signing rental covenants or uh, seeking out to fill a new job covenant. That's just not the language that we use. We speak much more frequently of contracts and agreements, uh, making business deals Or if if you're like me, you know about master promissory notes where you promise to pay back your student loans. These are the categories. These are the things that we are more familiar with. But the idea of covenant seems a little unusual. Now, the notion of covenant is central to the biblical story, and I would propose to you that if you were to go back and reread the whole Bible, you would see that it is a story of covenant, particularly of the covenant between God and God's people, and of the people struggling oftentimes to live into the covenant. A covenant is not just a legal contract. It is not a master promissory note. It is not a binding legal document. Covenants are different in that they are primarily about relationship. Covenants outline, give contour to, outline the terms, particularly of spiritual relationships. And so when we talk about our baptismal covenant, we can understand it, I think, as the the way that we understand our relationship with God. And a big part of that baptismal covenant that we recall whenever we celebrate a baptism or whenever we remember our baptism is that that baptismal covenant is not initiated or sustained by us. But it is God who moves first, to call us beloved children and invites us into the waters of baptism to respond with our lives. It is all about God's grace. It is not about what we do. And yet, there is a part of that baptismal covenant, if you remember the last time we had one here, where we do make vows, where we take and we make these promises to be faithful to God, to be faithful to the covenant that we are entering into in this baptismal waters. And if you don't recall what those vows are, now would be a good time for us to recall them together. There are three of them. And they might sound a little complicated, but I'll just walk through them one by one. The first one is to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, to reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. That's promise one. Promise two is to accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. And number three, we promise to confess Jesus Christ as our Savior and put our whole trust in his grace and to serve Christ alone as Lord. These are the vows that we commit to in that baptismal covenant. And if those vows seem a little confusing or intimidating or hard to remember, there's good news because John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, had a very simple way of summarizing these key commitments of the Christian faith, and he called them the three simple rules. And those rules were to do no harm, to do good, and to do all you can to stay in love with God. So if you, if you ever want to know what lies at the foundation of the Christian journey, what lies at the foundation of our baptismal covenant, I think we can remember that it is simply to do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. This is what we promise to do. And yet, the question that we are posed with on this first Sunday of Lent, the first Sunday of this season of inward reflection and repentance, is what happens when those covenant vows get tested? It's no coincidence that in our text, in the Gospel of Mark, that he places Jesus' baptism immediately next to the wilderness, wanderings, and temptation. Mark tells us that Jesus had just left his home in Nazareth and now stands at the River Jordan to be baptized by John. He's at the threshold of the wilderness. But before Jesus enters into the wilderness, in fact, before Jesus does anything in the gospel of Mark, he enters the waters of baptism. And this is so critical because if Jesus does not enter the waters of baptism before going out into the wilderness... He'll miss that baptismal affirmation, the words that come down like the dove that says, You are my child, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. This baptismal identity that Jesus has given is the same baptismal identity that we receive, and it is the thing that gives us the strength to go out into the wilderness to face the temptations and the trials of the 40 days and to come out on the other side, perhaps even closer to God. This past Wednesday marked the beginning of the season of Lent. And even though we weren't able to celebrate it here in person, we'll get to do it next week. So if you haven't yet decided what your Lenten uh, discipline is, good news, you have more time to figure it out. So I encourage you to be thinking about that. In this season of Lent that we're entering into, it is a season of 40 days to be honest with ourselves about the ways that we have struggled to be faithful, to be honest about the ways that we have struggled to do no harm, to do good, to to be honest about the ways where we have chosen to love something more In God. Lent is a time where we are invited to follow Jesus into the wilderness and to confront those things that tempt us the most. It's a time to examine our hearts and to reprioritize our lives that we would experience the renewal of God's presence. It is a time to reflect on the truth that we are made from the dust of the ground as uh, Genesis 2 tells us and Back to dust we will return. Lent is a time to, re- to remember that despite our best efforts, we are profoundly human. And what it means to be human is that we are frail, prone to sickness, death, fragility. We are fallible. We don't always get it right. It's a time to remember that we are dust, and to dust we shall return and yet in light of all of that it's also important to remember lent is not a time to kick yourself or beat yourself up because of the reality that you don't always get it right Lent is not about wallowing in self-pity. It's not about flogging yourself with self-criticism for every time you mess up. It's not about showering yourself with guilt and shame for the ways that you have failed to do good, to do no harm, and stay in love with God. For believe me, we do enough of that (laughs) self-criticism. We do enough of that. Lent is about looking inward, having the humility to be honest, and remembering that most important truth of our baptismal covenant, that even when we are unfaithful, God is always faithful. That even when we turn away and our love fails, God's love always remains steadfast. It's about remembering that whenever we take the Lenten journey, when we heed the call to follow Christ into the wilderness and enter that time of inward reflection and repentance, that God is always faithful to meet us when we turn, to wash our hearts of sin once again, and to move us back into right relationship, and to move us forward on the journey that we're on. Because God is always faithful to the covenant, even when we are not. This is what the psalmist talks about in Psalm 25, one of my all-time favorite psalms, when he writes, Be mindful of your mercy and your steadfast love, O Lord, for they have been from of old. This never-failing, steadfast, covenant-keeping love of God is who God has always been. It's who God is, and it's who God will always be. If you look back to the story of Scripture like I talked about, you'll see that it is a story of people constantly struggling to be faithful to the covenant they make with God. And if you look to the prophets, you'll see that the ancient Israelite people were not able to be faithful for very long. And yet God never abandoned them. There were consequences for their sin, but God never forsook the covenant made with them. And that story of Israel, that story of struggling to keep the covenant and leaning on the everlasting faithfulness of God... It's also our story. For we try and we try and we do our best, and yet we have to remember that the baptismal covenant is not about how much we can remain faithful, but it is about the God who initiates and sustains and brings to completion that covenant. The wilderness can be a dangerous place, it can be a scary place, an intimidating place, especially if you don't take what you need. I once went into the Wyoming wilderness a couple years ago with a good friend of mine for a hiking trip. Uh, it was the end of July, and the weather forecast was warm, and the weather looked like it was going to be great. And so we set off for about 70 miles over six days. And through the mountains of the Wind River Mountain Range, we went up and down through valleys, and we eventually came to the highest pass that we were going to cross over. It was over 11,000 feet. And we got to the top, and we went across the pass, and as we looked down the other side of the mountain to where the trail was taking us, we found, much to our surprise, that the trail was hidden under a blanket of snow and ice. And in that moment, we realized that we forgot to pack with us the things that we needed the most, crampons and an ice axe. But we were about 30 miles in, and turning back was not an option. And so, uh, like the fools we were, uh, we set off across the snow and the ice and the steep incline, with nothing more than our wooden walking sticks. And as careful as I tried to be, I eventually slipped because I didn't have crampons on. And without an ice axe to perform a self-arresting maneuver, the weight of my backpack pulled me down, and I fell. And I slid down the mountainside, probably 150 feet or so. It was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. And I slid down, and I tumbled onto the rocks, and luckily my pack broke my fall. And we were able to make it out of the wilderness okay with the story to tell, but we were lucky. And I don't tell you that story to uh, make you think that I'm an expert backpacker, because clearly I'm not. I'm a fool. But the wilderness can be dangerous if you don't take with you what you need. So as we enter this season of Lent, as as you're invited into the wilderness, I encourage you to ask yourself, what is it that you need to take with you on this season of Lent? Perhaps it's some accountability to your Lenten discipline. Perhaps it's some honesty, some courage to name the ways that you have broken the covenant, to name the ways that you have done harm. You have not done good and perhaps failed to stay in love with God. But above all, I hope that you take with you the knowledge of God's steadfast, never failing, covenant-keeping love. For if we don't have that in our backpacks as we set out into the wilderness, we're liable to tumble onto the rocks of guilt and shame and self-criticism and not actually experience the renewal that is available to us in this Lenten season. So as you set out and you consider in these next few days what your Lenten discipline is, may you feel the call of God calling you out from your places of home and comfort through a remembrance of your baptism where you receive that covenant identity as God's beloved child and then out into the wilderness. And may you know that God's love goes with you. And that's the most important thing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.